Happy New Year and welcome to What Does This Mean? A discussion of the Bible passages Lutherans and many other Christians read in church each Sunday. Today, we have three readings that blur the line between insiders and outsiders, including the story of the Magi who visit Jesus carrying gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We're so glad you've joined us. I'm Pastor Javen Swanson. And I'm Pastor Bradley Schmeling. I'm Pastor Lois Palmeyer. And we are the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. This coming Sunday is Epiphany. Um, so we'll be reading some familiar texts that are beloved and actually sometimes part of our Christmas programs as well each year. Should we be a little wonky about this to say that actually Epiphany is always January 6th. January 6th. And we've decided... To move it. <gasps> right. Scandalous. Somewhere out there, someone is shaking their heads at Say, us. I know, I know. Not very liturgically correct. But we stand correct. by our decision. Because these have... are such good stories. Sunday, January the 5th is actually the 12th, the 12th day, day of, of Christmas. Christmas. Right. We love having this time together to think a little bit more deeply about these scripture readings and to have a conversation with one another um, and with this season, a special guest each week. This week, the guest we've invited to join us is Martha Wagner. Welcome, Martha. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My husband, John, and I have been members of Gloria Day, we think about 12 years. Uh, we, uh, we have two grown children, both of whom were confirmed at Gloria Day. I've had lots of jobs, both paid and unpaid in my life. The ones that have been most meaningful for me was I was a fourth grade teacher, which I just loved, and being a parent to my two kids. And now I'm I'm a writer. I write a blog. It's called Away With Words. And I wrote a book called Dear David, Dealing With My Son's Addiction, One Letter at a Time. Available at Amazon, let's just say. Um, and you're our uh, first like big author. Yeah, 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 yeah. And last but not least, I am the funeral reception coordinator at Gloria Day Lutheran Church. Well, we're so glad that you've joined us today. Why don't we dive right in, Pastor Bradley? Would you read the first lesson for us? Sure. This is a reading from Isaiah chapter sixty, verses one through six. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. 
Then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah and all those from Sheba shall come. And they shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Okay, well, I'm going to preface this by letting you know that these questions are by committee. I did the readings and I... I don't know. It just was like, I got to think of something to ask. So I... We're the same way. That's why we have to have... <laughs> that's why we have, we have these exactly. podcasts. That's why you're here. Yeah. That's right. So I presented these questions to our dinner guests, which included myself and my husband, John, and two Gloria Day members who choose to remain anonymous. And I read them out loud and said, okay, what, what does this bring up for you? Their questions, our questions, were things like, who is Isaiah? Who is he talking to? How does he know this? So it's a lot of questions, kind of, kind of being able to put it in context. And then finally, is he talking about Jesus or is he talking about that God's going to come and do this? I think that's a great way to start because some, especially some of these um, Old Testament prophets, without understanding their context, it is hard to make sense of it. And it's your question is kind of interesting because Isaiah, as you can see, is a long book, 60 chapters. Mm. And there's some different theories. Most scholars say that it really wasn't written by one person, but mm. probably by several prophets over Speaking a period of, of questions time. questions by committee. <laughs> yeah. Might yeah. be prophet by committee. <laughs> right, right. Um, but speaking in a time around the period when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians and all of the people were taken into exile in Babylon. So they were really taken out of Jerusalem and plopped in this foreign city. And Isaiah spans the time from before that, through the exile, and then into when they finally came home from the exile. And this portion actually comes during that time when the people had come back to Jerusalem. Now, they'd been gone for 70 years, and Jerusalem was totally destroyed while they were gone. So they come back, and their great capital, you know, I mean, this is Jerusalem, where the temple was, where the palace was, and it's really just... Ruins. Yeah, it's rubble. It looks like nothing. And so they're all excited that they're going to go back to their home place and they get there and it's it's pretty pitiful. And so Isaiah is kind of writing to give them hope to say, you know, hang on because this is all going to get put back together and believe it or not, the nations, they're going to stream to you the the wealth and the power of the nations will pour into Jerusalem. And so arise, so lighten up, you know, yeah. be, be joyful because it's not going to be this way forever. So what Isaiah is doing is trying to give them hope so that they can pick up the task of rebuilding. You ask, is it Jesus that Isaiah is describing? Is it God's going to do this? Who's going to do this? Um, probably Isaiah was imagining God's glory shining on us as a people, that God's glory would be among us. Now, after Jesus was born and his ministry was established in ways that people started looking at who he was and what he had accomplished and what was happening through him, 
I think people started looking back at some of the the stories that they knew well, the prophecies that they knew well to say, this is what Isaiah was describing mm. to our ancestors who came back to Babylon. Not so much to say Isaiah meant Jesus, okay. but if you look at what he said, it could even apply to what we see in Jesus. And you might say some of the same things that if you saw your city, your beautiful capital just demolished and kind of in rubble, mm -hmm. you might say the same thing about you say Jesus is God's glory, but I saw him die on a cross. It doesn't look so promising. Okay. The later writers could say, but remember how God restored everything. And, and Isaiah had promised that that would happen for Jerusalem. And look, we believe God's doing that even in this hmm. Jesus. Okay. I think we should be really careful when we're reading the Hebrew scriptures, um, that what we call as Christians the Old Testament, to say Isaiah is writing about Jesus. I think this is still these are still the holy scriptures of the Jewish people, and they certainly read this in a Jewish way that it's not about Jesus. Right. And I think we should read it in that same way that to they respect do. That. Right, um, and to say. Christians later looked back at these and said, it's sort of like what happened in Jesus is the fulfillment of what Isaiah was talking about. And I think one way we see that is at the end of this Isaiah passage, they shall bring gold and frankincense mm, and right. shall proclaim the praise. And later in a little bit, we're going to read this gospel lesson from Matthew where these foreign magi bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh as if Matthew in writing that was saying, see, this is sort of what's happening here is sort of like what Isaiah was talking about. But I, I think we should be careful not to say, well, that means Isaiah was really, he was a like proto-Christian. He was sort of talking about Jesus. I think Isaiah was talking about Jerusalem. his own context hundreds of years earlier. The gospel writers aren't writing history like we think of a historian okay. sitting down and writing history. They're preaching. They are okay. telling stories to make theological points. And I think what Matthew is trying to do when he tells his story is to connect it to this long history of God saying to people in darkness, arise, shine, your light has come. And now in this person named Jesus, it's happening all over again. So there is light shining in the darkness. So I I don't even think anymore about the did this happen or or not happen because okay. it's kind of speculative anyway. Maybe it did or it didn't. But it's kind of like how do you enter the story? Mm -hmm. And the truth of the story might be different than the literal fact of the truth, that there's a mm -hmm. spiritual truth that we're trying to talk about in these stories. And really when we read the Bible – we find all sorts of contradictions where they can't have happened both ways that Mark tells it this way and Matthew tells it this way. They can't both be true. And so sometimes we try to reconcile that and make sense of it. And I think that's us as modern, enlightened people trying to make a case for like a certain kind of historical telling of the story. But I think if we put ourselves in sort of an ancient worldview where it's more about trying to craft a story that helps us access new ideas. I think that's actually what the gospel writers are doing. Why don't we take a quick break?
Our second reading on Sunday for Epiphany will be Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 12. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. Well, this was the real reason why I needed to bring it to the dinner party, because my only question was, huh? (laughs) I have no idea. I mean, honestly, could he break up the sentences? Um, I I had no idea what he was talking about. The participants had lots of questions, and I was writing as quickly as I could. And so their questions were, well, so you knew it all along? And what's changed? And why have you decided to tell the Gentiles? And as my husband said, well, so you're saying the Gentiles can join the club now? So... I, I I still find it just really hard to understand. So I did, um, I looked it up in The Message by Eugene Peterson, who puts the Bible in contemporary language. And it, it is more understandable to me here. And so I, I don't know if this helps you guys or your listeners. This is what he writes, The Secret Plan of God. This is why I, Paul, am in jail for Christ, having taken up the cause of you outsiders, so-called. I take it that you're familiar with the part I was given in God's plan for including everybody. I got the inside story on this from God himself, as I just wrote you in brief. As you read over what I have written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, what I've been calling outsiders and insiders, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer, same help, same promises in Christ Jesus. The message is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. That seemed a little... Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, that's helpful. I, um, I've been reading through the Bible in a year, 365 days, and I'm to the point where I'm reading all of Paul's letters in a row, which is really interesting because I've never done that before. And what comes through really clearly is how proud he is to be the one to take this message 
to Gentiles mm-hmm. who were assumed for all along to be outside of the covenant. Okay. Um, and so his entire ministry is dedicated to bringing these people who never thought they could be part of this covenant into the covenant and defending that against people who said, well, no, they can't. If if they want to be in the covenant, they need to follow all the rules that are in the Old Testament. And Paul was saying, no, 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 no. This is a whole different kind of message that goes to a whole different group of people. And I feel like in this passage, he's going back to that kind of main point about this great mystery being revealed to the people you never thought it would be revealed to. And Hmm. I love the way Gene Peterson calls it the insiders and the outsiders, because that's how people in that first century would have thought about that. I didn't know that. So you're saying the original message was was just for the Jews? Well, imagine all of Jesus' followers were Jewish, uh-huh. you know, so they, and Jesus was, so they just considered it to be a movement within Judaism. Um, Jesus, they began to understand him as the Messiah. Um, and so they were telling their friends, which were all Jews. Uh-huh. But then this really strange thing happened, which is Gentiles started to believe the story and came and said, well, we want to be baptized. And it created this huge crisis in the early church because Gentiles literally means other, not like us. And the book of Acts actually tells the story of all of this. The the movement opened up from not just a Jewish movement anymore to, and there's a big council in Jerusalem where Peter and Paul kind of fight it out, fight it out. um, And, Peter's on the side of, no, this is a Jewish movement. And Paul says, God has called me to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And ultimately, Paul wins that argument. And Peter has some own, his own experiences where God starts revealing it. to He feels as if now God's showing me too. I'm There's no partiality. There's Everybody is included in this good news. And by the end of Acts, it's really clear this movement is now going out to the whole world. It went viral. Yeah. It's out. It's out. Well, and I feel feel like that's the part of this that's still relevant, is that the Holy Spirit is still including people that those on the inside aren't Mm -hmm. sure about. And we're having still, in the 21st century, arguments about... Well, who's in and who's out? And do they have to become like us if they're going to be part of this movement? And I feel like there's this pebble that was dropped into the pond at the resurrection and these ripples continue to go farther and farther out. And so the church is called to invite and welcome people it never imagined to always be turned out, finding finding new people outside the circle that all of a sudden are showing that God's glory is shining there too. I think that's a good place for us to break.
Welcome back. Our gospel lesson is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where's the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you've found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This one was difficult, uh, because it's so familiar, I just thought, oh, what could you possibly ask? So thankfully, my group had some questions about this as far as, I, I think a lot just historical context, like, you know, one, one of... One of the diners said, well, why did the wise men even care? Why did they care that there's, um, you know, what was their what was their background or their religion? Why were they um, excited that the king of the Jews was coming? And why would they care about it? And um, and how would they know? I mean, how did they know? It was like, oh, there's a star. Here he is. And so kind of how they would know. That is a really good question. Like, so even if they saw the star, how would they know that the star was <laughs> about the Messiah born in the king of the Jews? Right. I don't, yeah, that's a good I question. I think wasn't that, that was like their job. I mean, they're yeah. these like yeah. astrologers. Well, I get that, but how would they know that the star was connected to the child to be born king they, of the Jews. I think they were that smart. I mean, I think huh. these people were like the scholars from a distant university who who read the read the uh, signs and knew how to do the research and researched enough of the Hebrew texts to realize stars in their context when the stars are moving, it means uh, their God is making a new new sign and is presenting something in a new way. Let's go there and check in with their scholars to find out where the specific place sure. will be. Remember, in the first reading, we were talking about the exile and the people take being taken to Babylon. And one thing I remember reading is that um, after seventy years of people in Babylon, that the the knowledge of Judaism became part of the study of religious scholars in in the East. So they they would have been familiar with Jewish 
predictions, Jewish scripture readings. So it's not totally outside the realm of possibility that it would occur to them that the movement of the stars could represent the birth of a, a ruler in Judea because the Hebrew texts are filled with these predictions of uh a new king coming to the throne. And there's this promise that there will always be a descendant of David on the throne. And one of the things that got the exiles through the exile was the promise that someone will come and reclaim the throne. So it was this really lively expectation in those exiles. And the other thing we should say is, you know, our translation calls them wise men. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we refer to them as magi. Others translate. Other translations have magi um, or and, sages. Or sages. Magi. If you think about it, that word is related to magician. They're sort okay. of these um, people who they were sort of astrologers. Like this was their thing. Like looking at the heavens. They were sort of astrologers of their okay. time. And I think connected with our first two readings. The interesting thing here is that these are not insiders. Like these are not Mm, the Jewish crowd. These are people from way outside of the Jewish homeland who are practicing a totally different kind of religion or spirituality or whatever. Um, Someone said recently they were Zoroastrian. Mm -hmm. Um, And so whatever the case, they're certainly not part of the insider Jewish crowd. They see something. I love this image of, I don't know what they saw, but they saw something changing in the universe itself Mm -hmm. and wondered, well, what could that be about? Even even the outsider of um, whatever, you know, distant place or land or thinking of these people had a sense of, Something's at work here. Something's afoot. Something's changing. Let's go find out what that's Mm -hmm. all about. Mm -hmm. Well, it's an interesting connection to the last reading because in a lot of ways, this story is connected to people outside of Judaism seeing the truth, which is exactly what Paul is trying to talk about, this great mystery that goes beyond. One interesting thing that actually came up at one of our forums a few weeks ago was this idea that Herod, who is the local ruler— officially a Jew, but kind of appointed by Rome. So he's sort of a puppet of the Roman Empire, Mm. supposedly Jewish, but not really with the Jewish people's best interests in mind. He is all threatened by this newborn potential Messiah and um, is kind of plotting to figure out how he can destroy him. Herod, who's this insider, a Jew who should have gotten it, completely misses it and is threatened by Jesus. Meanwhile, these magi, outsiders who have nothing to do with the Jewish people, they're the ones who get it and make the journey to Bethlehem to pay homage to Jesus. So again, it's this sort of like insider-outsider dynamic Mm -hmm. and the insider doesn't get it. The outsiders are actually the ones who do get it. Well, and what if that were a metaphor for those of us of um, the Christian faith feel threatened when there are changes happening to the church, or we feel as if the message is kind of being moved in a new direction, but people outside the church who really don't have a vested interest can say, I see the church doing something new over here. And we want to say, well, no, 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 that's not really orthodox that Mm -hmm. you can't really do that. And they're like, oh, I just thought it was kind of cool that this congregation out here was doing something different. Mm -hmm. Why don't we end it there? This has been a great conversation. We're interested to hear what you think all of this means. You can drop us a note at pastors at gloriadaystpaul.org. 
And we want you all to take note that next Sunday, um, we're going to do a special live podcast recording between the church services. So at 9.30 to 10.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, this will be our January 12th Sunday Forum on January 12th. Yes. So we hope you'll join us that day as well. A live podcast. You could be the star. Right. You can ask what questions you have for the texts. Right. We also hope you'll rate the podcast today and leave a review on whatever service you use to listen to podcasts. Thank you to Martha Wegner for joining us today. Thank and her committee. And her committee. The anonymous committee. The anonymous group. Right. Yep. You know who you are. <laughs> Um, thank you also to our assistant music director, Paul D'Amico Carper, for providing the music for us and to Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcasting for producing these podcasts for us. Join us for worship each Sunday at either 8.15 or 10.45 a.m. with Sunday School for All Ages at 9.30 a.m. Thank you so much for joining us today. Know that God is with you, God loves you, and God will provide what you need for today. This has been What Does This Mean? A podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com.